Welcome to Rigged, the Random Idea Generator Cast. This is a very special episode because we did not, and by we I mean me, I did not plan out the fact that there were five Thursdays in January. So we have a bit of a special episode. A little housekeeping before we get into anything. Um, If you're not one to look at podcast notes um, on whatever platform that you listen to to the pod, I would suggest either going to fecklessmomes.com and going into the rigged page or checking those notes. And we have um, bonus art that Matt has done for each episode. And I just want to add that the art for the first episode was busted um, for a couple days after it launched. But if you went and saw that the link was dead, you can go back and check it out now. Feel free to check back uh, or check for every week. We'll have that bonus art um, as long as Matt has fingers. Or, you know, he probably could use his feet too. Anyway, I am your host, Nick. And I'm your host, Matt. And uh, we are two-thirds of the Brothers McGill. And it turns out that we have a very special guest here with us today. Would you like to introduce yourself? Very special guest? Uh, Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I am the third addition to the McGill's Three. I complete the Triforce. This is Brandon, uh, the youngest of the Brothers McGill. And uh, he's going to join us in our very special episode of Blossom. We're torn on what we want to call these special episodes. We're thinking either a side quest or a speed run. I'm thinking, well, Matt, why don't you explain what we're actually going to be doing here? What makes this such a special episode aside from the inclusion of Brandon? Yeah, um, basically, we're taking exactly what we've been doing the last four weeks and condensing it into one episode. We're taking the character creation process the um, world building and then the actual narrative and doing it all in one quick little bonus episode for you guys. It's a brand new narrative. You're not going to see any of the characters that you saw um, over the last month, but it's something just kind of a, an extra bonus because of that extra Thursday this month. I think even if we do see extra Thursdays from now on, we're going to be doing a side quest or a speed run Uh, rather than trying to stretch out the regular into five. I think this is more fun. It's a little more special. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we're we're trying to kind of hammer out the idea of a name here. Um, Feel free to contact us. Head on over to fecklessmoms.com. Drop some info in the uh, the contact sheet right on the front page. And let us know which which name you prefer for what this actually is. Or if you have a better suggestion, we are 100% open to that too. But for now... I'm calling it a side quest, but it makes more sense to call it a speed run. So we'll we'll hammer it out by the time there's another one of these episodes. Oh, and just we do have one more one more note. We kind of tweaked some of the numbers, particularly on the races, to make it a, a full spread. They were weighted beforehand. The human had the most number coverage, and that's no fun. We want to go completely random. Our worlds don't have more humans than anything else. So that's why we've balanced it all out. And anything else? Do we, do we need anything else to tidy up any loose ends before we jump right in? I don't think so. I think everybody knows how it goes. So uh, might as well just start. All right. Matt, as the eldest, why don't you uh, start with our first character? As is custom, we're going to start with the race. 
That's a D100, and that is a 50. 50. A half-elf. Okay, nice, nice. No variant on that. No, we do have a variant for the half-elf. Oh, we do? Looks like it. On a D6, well, (laughs) it's a 1, so it's a straight-up half-elf. Okay. Simple. Yep. Still better than just a plain old human like last time, though. We had two, right? Two humans. Yeah, exactly. Now we're going to go to class. That's a D12. An 8, which is a ranger. Half-elf ranger, very stock. Yeah. Let's see. Are there any... Oh, the ranger has a couple a couple things. We'll do the archetype first. That's another one. So that's a Beastmaster Ranger. Okay. Could be cool in uh, in 5e. It's not. <laughs> it's not. The Ranger is broken in, in terrible ways. It's so bad. Ah, it's a bummer. All right. And then the favored enemy of the Ranger, which may or may not actually come into play. Another one. Wow. Aberrations. Good thing you're not playing an actual game. I was just going to say that. <laughs> All right. We are going to roll for the gender. Yep. Gender roll. D12. That is a 12. That is a secret gender. Name is next. So as a name, what we did for the last time, let's do that again. So we we roll the D4. Odds are male. Evens are female. That is a 1. So it is a male name. Okay. So then a D10. Yep. That's a 4. 4. Is Bernard Adkins. So as a secret gender, we'll just do Adkins. Adkins, yep. Perfect. Age is a D6. That is a three. Adkins is an adult. Okay. Alignment, a D10 roll, a seven. Lawful evil. Oh, nice. Okay. Okay, lawful evil ranger. Interesting. Background. 76, which is a sage. Huh. Curious background for a ranger. Yeah. And then finally, we got our trinket. A 44, which is a mechanical canary inside a gnomish lamp. (laughs) It's a very small canary. Well, yeah, it's mechanical. Yeah. And they have tiny hands so they can create small things. The very first micro machine. Was a canary, yeah, absolutely. That's how they started. All right, I will go next as the the middle. Okay. Okay, let's start with race for our second character. Uh, D100. 85. A tiefling. Okay, we have um, tiefling variants, which is a D10, which is basically the, the demon who's in their bloodline. That is a six, Glazia. Do you know who that is? Um, probably pretty cool. Um, let's take a quick little googly poo here. Okay, this is amazing. And I'm just going to read you the blurb from Wikipedia. It looks like a doofy dog, basically a luck dragon, but with, with great big wings. Um <laughs> And uh, it's it's pretty great, actually. I'm quoting here. In demonology, Glazia 
Labolas is a mighty president of hell who commands 36 legions of demons. Okay. Seems pretty potent. Powerful demon there. Looks can be deceiving. That's true. That's true. The goofy grin could be maniacal. All right, so let's do our class. A D12. A nine. Rogue. Okay, a rogue and a ranger. And what kind of a rogue do we have? That is a D8 for our archetype. A six. Swashbuckler. Very cool. All right. That is fun. We'll move on to some details. Our gender is a D12. A one. Male. Okay. We get a full name as a specified gender. So another D10. That is a five. Ralph Lindsay. L-I-N-D-S-E-Y. Ralph Lindsay. Okay. Banal and amazing. He sells used cars. <laughs> That's right. I was going to go with accountant, but... <laughs> He he does his own accounting at his, his used car lot. <laughs> <laughs> what do I have to do to get you in to that Honda Civic? <laughs> what spell do I, who, who do I have to pray to? <laughs> um, what are we doing? Uh, D6, age, a D6, a two, a young adult. Oh, he's in training. He's in training at the used car lot. He's, he's a junior salesman. Yeah. I'm Ralph Lindsay, and I'd like to sell you your next used car. It's a Pinto. Older than he is. Alignment, D10. Please just be straight neutral. That would be fantastic for a used car salesman. One lawful good. He can't sell anything. <laughs> he really doesn't want it. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. He he's, sells nothing. His father is so, so disappointed. <laughs> Man, Ralph, that, that seems like a lot of money, Ralph. Yeah, it is. It is a lot of money. You're right. Don't buy this car. Yeah, yeah I, this is totally a scam. I can't. I got to be honest with you. Um, but the the first guy, Adkins, is lawful evil, right? Yes. Yes, he is. Oh, that's going to be that's gonna be fun. Yeah. Okay, background. D100 for good old Ralph Lindsay. 79, a sailor. <laughs> There goes the used car. Oh, man. Used car salesman, salesman is an 80. We were so close. He's, he's a boat salesman. Oh, used boat salesman. Yeah, there we go. Most of them don't have motors. What do I have to do to get you into this dinghy? He's been pepper sprayed a lot for that. <laughs> so much. So much. <laughs> Ralph, you can't talk like that. I'm just being honest. All right. Our random item. Another D100. Please be something juicy. 21. A tiny gnome-crafted music box that plays a song that he dimly remembers from his childhood. Some gnome gadgets. Yeah. The gnomes are in force tonight. That's cool. I wonder I wonder if we'll get another gnome gadget, if there even is another one on here. Or, Brandon, if you roll up a gnome, that'd be really cool. I made your things. Yeah, I made these. All of them. Okay. That's it for Adkins and Ralph. And Brandon. Yes. Time for your inaugural role here. All right. Give us a D100 for our race. Very good. Let's see. Oh, let's see. We have a 49, so that's going to be a half elf. Man. So close. 
where is Nome? Like, how far off were we on Nome? Nome is 37 to 40. Oh, yeah, not that close. All right. Okay, two half-elves could be interesting. All right, now my half-elf variant is a D6. If I can find my D6. A three is a drow. Oh, cool. Okay. So the the half of the elf is drow. Okay, let's see what our class is. All right, my class is a D12. We have an 11 warlock. Okay. That makes sense. Warlock patrons a D6. Five is hexblade. Cool. Okay. So kind of a... um. I think Hexblade is the most melee of the Warlocks. Hand-to-hand Warlock, essentially. I believe so, yeah. Gender? Let's do gender. An 11, which is unspecified. So we're going to do what we did with Adkins. Roll the D4. Odds are male. Evens are female. And we're just going to take the last name of what you roll on the D10. Okay. Uh, We have a 4, so evens, female. Okay. And then the D10 is a five. That's Dolores Cherry. Can I have it all, please? No, I'm afraid not. It's just Cherry. Oh. <laughs> it's just Cherry. Oh, she's a stripper. Uh, age, D6. Is a four elder. Oh, retired. She was. Retired. She was yeah. a stripper. <laughs> oh, let's see where the alignment goes. Alignment is two. Neutral good. Okay. Background, it's going to be a 47, which is Guild Artisan. Hmm. That's interesting. And a trinket. Okay, another D100, yes. We have a 69, which is a crystal knob from a door. Interesting choice. All right. So that is Adkins, Ralph, Lindsay, and Cherry. Oh, Cherry. And despite having reweighted the gender roles, we still have an unspecified and what was the other one? Unknown. And unknown. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Our secret, secret and unspecified. That's what it is. Right. All right. So now we need to know the relationship of all three of these characters, why they're in a party together, essentially. So for that relationship role, Brandon, why don't you, uh, why don't you give us that? Okay. And that is a six. Yep. A D six. Enemies forced to work together, a five. Five enemies forced to work together. That's the only one we've ever done. (laughs) That's 100% it for a character creation. Mm -hmm. Next is moving on to the world building. Mm -hmm. Why don't we just start back at the top of the order? Matt, why don't you give us our um, environment roll? That is an eight. It is underground. Underground. Okay, that ties a little bit in with the drow, even though he's half drow. Yep. Conflict. Conflict is my role. Um, That's another D20. Please be escort quest. Five. Outbreak of Monsters. Classic. Poo. Brando, why don't you give us the MacGuffin? MacGuffin D10. Is a four, which is a book. All right. I feel like that leaves us a lot of room to play. Yeah. A lot of room to play. Okay, we've got 10 minutes to brainstorm going. Now, timer's going to brainstorm.
like the last time, having a lawful good and a lawful evil in the same party works insanely well with the enemies forced to work together. Super simple. Yep. Sort of answers that question as to uh, what does that mean? Yeah, it's super convenient that we can kind of bypass that and focus on other stuff. Yep. Right. After that, looking at our races or our classes, rather, we have a ranger, a rogue, and a warlock. No one super religious, so we can't go for the um, the conflict there. No. I would want to say that the two half elves are on one side of the team, but one's neutral good and one's lawful evil. That seems I don't think we can make that fly. I know I was initially leaning that way too, but I don't think that'll work. Could it be something along the lines of maybe Cherry being an elder, uh, warlock, neutral good is in search of a, a magic book of some sorts to to bring some sort of balance, and maybe hires the other two, just knowing maybe a skill set that they may have and knowing that they could be useful to. I like that. Maybe the book is like a Reader's Digest or something if she's that old. It could be. Or or a, a crossword dictionary. M- Morlocks Digest. <laughs> yes, there it is. And Morlocks live underground, so it's perfect. Um, the conflict, the outbreak of monsters, works well with the Beastmaster, his chosen enemy being aberrations. Mm-hmm. But it seems... Well, no, I was going to say it seems weird that a lawful evil would hate aberrations but if they're lawful evil i mean you can still dislike evil things if they're like chaotic evil and i'm I'm, i imagine most aberrations are right yeah exactly they wouldn't have any sort of rhyme or reason or lawfulness to be blunt yeah my my standard um explanation of lawful evil is the sheriff of nottingham okay he had reasons for killing people and hating people, but he didn't just go around like burning villages unless it fit into his code. Yeah, exactly. He used laws to his advantage in, in, in that sense. Yeah. He stayed somewhat within the bounds of the laws to maintain his evil ways. Yeah. So I like Cherry. I like Cherry hiring Ralph to help go get the book. And then they find out that the book is in this underground area where there's an outbreak of aberrations or monsters or whatever. And in the same, in the same tavern or wherever Ralph was hired, they realize that they need someone who can handle that because Ralph being a rogue wouldn't be able to do much in terms of like infiltrating underground or taking care of a lot of monsters, I think. Mm-hmm. Which also within more, if you had a more in-depth storyline as you go through it could be very interesting, you know, since Cherry has hired the two and sort of trusts them to carry the mission out. Right. But then things could come up because those two don't see eye to eye. Yeah. Right. They don't even have to necessarily know their alignments in the beginning. Well, yes. Oh, yeah, exactly. You know, we could even see that come out in our game. It would come out through actions and... Yeah. Okay, I think that's good. Yeah, I'm thinking the... Maybe Adkins is targeted maybe more for his mechanical canary at first because you're going underground and you have that... Maybe that warning system for 
you know, that's the bird box effect or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. Monsters are coming or, or gas or something along those lines. Like they used to use in the coal mines. I like that. That's a good idea. It's a very good idea. And that kind of works with the ranger too. I would think. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if he's, um, he's like an underground ranger or something, Yep. which you don't see terribly often, but still. And I don't know, maybe we could use the gnome music box puts, puts the boss to sleep at the, um, at the end and the crystal knob from a door is how they get into that last like treasure room that where the book is, is, is being held. Sure. If we get to any of those points, um, we could tie those in if we wanted to. Yep. That sounds better than my idea of the doorknob. I was simply going to say that she got it antiquing. (laughs) I mean, maybe Cherry did pick it up antiquing and then found out what it was. I think that's good. With with under 10 minutes, I think we got that. I think we're good. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Let's jump in. I'm happy. All right. So let's roll some Anish uh, to see who goes first. On a D20 roll, I have a 15. 12. Uh, seven. Seven. Lucky number seven. Okay, so me, Matt, Brandon. And uh, this time we're going to do just five minutes instead of our standard 10. Um, it's going to be a little more of a challenge. But uh, it's also going to make the speed run slash side quest uh, a little more palatable, I think. Um because we're all going to be tired by the end of this. What if we just call it a speed quest? That's not a thing, Brandon. Come on. Why did I invite you? I don't know. Five minutes. Mom told you to. Mom, yeah, that's true. I got grounded. You have to include him. <laughs> um, okay, so five minutes, and uh, we'll just cycle through each of us twice. And uh, we'll uh, start right now. The day dawns on a cave system just outside of a little town that sits on the crossroads and is kind of a a flourishing market town. So you can find a a variety of people for a variety of services. And it just so happens that Cherry has found two people to do a task that that Cherry would not normally be able to do on their own. They found themselves a tiefling rogue who is a swashbuckler. So we'll say this is a port town, and that makes sense as well. Oh, swashbuckler and sailor. That's really good. We didn't acknowledge that at all. Uh, They found themselves a swashbuckling sailor rogue um, tiefling named Ralph Lindsay. They also found themselves a half-elf ranger whose chosen enemy is Aberrations. And they need both of these people to get down into this underground cavern past a bunch of monsters, most likely aberrations, mostly most likely aberrations, and to get a magic book. And Cherry being kind of an old, retired warlock adventurer themselves, has, they, they have a little firepower, but they, they certainly wouldn't be able to do it on their own. They're well past their prime. Unbeknownst to Ralph and Adkins, they would not get along together in... um a traditional circumstance, but they were both hired separately. They didn't have a chance to get to know each other, get to know their party members. They were just kind of quickly hired and said, meet me here in the morning. So after a night of 
drinking for Adkins and rest for Ralph, they all three meet up just outside this cave mouth. And they are heading on in. And it seems like a standard cave. It doesn't seem, it seems like it's just going to end a couple hundred feet in. It gets a little dark there, but they can still see everything. Um, it doesn't seem that old of a cave in terms of uh, giant stalactites or stalagmites. They're small. So it, it, this cave is, seems to be magically created that it could be so big and open, but also so, so young seeming. There are no creatures in the, the mouth of this cave. Normally you would see bats and insects and rats and things, but there's nothing in here. It's oddly, oddly empty. They all note this to themselves. They're very, they're, they're not very talkative. They note that there are bits and pieces about this cave that seem really peculiar and make them uncomfortable. And if they actually talked about it, they might, they might've turned around, but no one wants to admit that they're kind of skeeved out by this. So they pick their way through, back through the cave, and just when they think they are reaching the back, the very end, they see that there's a bit of cave wall that actually blocks an an entrance leading down into some tunnels that way back in the front, you would never have noticed. So Cherry pulls out a torch, lights it, hands it to Adkins, who takes point, And Adkins walks through that back entrance and instantly everything feels super off. There's a queasy feeling and the rock seems to be a different kind of rock. And it seems to be a much older type of formation. Um, When they do run into stalactites and stalagmites, they're huge. So it's, it's almost as if they went through a portal just going through that back door. And they go through a couple of twisting turns. It's all one hallway. And they're walking for about 10 minutes. And they can't even see the entrance where they came in from until they finally reach the end of this hallway that splits out into a bunch of different paths. And it's more than anyone would feel comfortable choosing when they already feel lost, but they have to choose to keep going. So let's do our first roll. Matt, uh, why don't you give us a roll for navigation? Okay, we got a 10 on the navigation roll. They go forward. Okay. Might as well. They look at all their options. They all look rather identical. And they decide, well, we might as well just keep going forward. And they set off with Adkins in the front. And Matt, go from there. They're going further and further into this uh, set of tunnels. Everything is continuously becoming more and more queasy and just unsettling. Um, just the kind of like the sulfur uh, smell in the air. And all of a sudden, as they're journeying further and further, there's a little, just a little chirp sound from the front, from Adkins, um, just a little knapsack that he has. And it kind of catches everybody off guard. You know, Adkins understands it right away. He knows that it's this little mechanical canary that he has that was built by um, 
one of his gnomish benefactors back in the day as payment. Um, but every, nobody else even knows that he has this canary. Adkins being this ranger and being kind of attuned to this creature understands that the chirp is one of warning. For lack of a better term, it's his spider sense. So he he kind of holds up his hand, motions for everybody to stop, and they kind of duck behind some rocks that were out of place. Just as they do that, they see just these monstrous creatures start to walk by. The creatures themselves are so large that they don't, they're not going to look down. They're not going to look down and see these little humanoid creatures just hiding behind rocks. So they walk by and they see that the creatures are kind of heading more towards the surface. That in the mind of Adkins, especially being the ranger, but also obviously with Cherry looking for that book, they know that they're going in the right direction then. If the monsters are coming towards them, then the book must be back that way. So they continue on once the monsters have passed, and they come to this kind of open area that is kind of like a meeting room, so to speak. It's uh, it's large, can definitely fit a multitude of those large monsters that pass them by further up the tunnels. As they're coming in, just the air seems to kind of go out of the room completely. There is just this really intense feeling of unease. I don't want to say doors start to close around them, but they feel like they're, they're trapped in this room. What they do see is two just large monstrous creatures. They don't, they can't really tell exactly what they are. It's um, they're humanoid in, in stature, definitely, larger creatures with the heads of just woodland animals. And the creatures don't see the party just yet. They know that in this big open area, it's only a matter of time um, unless they act fast. And with that, Brando, we're going to have you roll the conflict and see what happens. Okay. So that's going to be a D20. All right. Let's see. That is a 19, which is trick. Okay. They are definitely seen by the monsters, um, but because of the size of the uh, of our party, the monsters don't necessarily recognize them as anything more than than vermin, really. And the monsters don't concern themselves with the vermin, so the monsters just kind of walk on by, treat them as nothing more than a non-issue. And our party is basically free to progress from there. Brando, you can pick it up. Okay. So from there, they push a sigh of relief as they have avoided conflict with something that they were, that was quite frightening. Um, so they move forward and they find themselves up to a very narrow hallway. And it's, it's just becoming more and more damp and stale. And the air is, is becoming harder and harder to breathe as they progress. And they make their way through this hallway, which is, there's a little bit more life down here, but it's, it's very underground life. There's creepy crawlies and, and, and whatnot. Nothing, you know, nothing of, of serious note 
that they would even pay attention to, but they're essentially wading their way through lesions of bugs and worms and whatnot. So they go through this hallway and they find themselves up to an opening at the end of this hallway. And it's incredibly dark and it's almost as though the light of the torch, although they know it is brighter than it's showing, it's as though the light does not illuminate much further than a couple of feet in front of them. It seems like an enormous abyss. So at this point, they stop and sort of look around and Adkins pushes forward ahead just a little bit more just to sort of show his gusto and and show off that he's able to lead. So moving a little forward towards the end of this large room, they find themselves coming up to three doors. They're not ornate. They're not even wooden. They're just a very antiquated sort of. It's basically three holes with tattered sheets over them just to block view, more or less. They sort of look at each other and they all start to become even more uneasy. And you start to hear that chirp from Adkins' little companion there once more. And it they can even tell in the chirp. The canary itself is nervous. At, at this point, they become even more heightened. And they sort of deliberate for a moment and decide to really just go for it from left to right and try to sneak a peek at these doors. So they go and make their way to the door on the left and they peel back this sheet and lean in with the torch. This door, they find nothing. And really there's, it's just a wall that's a matter of a foot and a half in front of them. So now they move on to the second door and there's a cold air coming from this door. So again, even more uneasy. And at this point, as they decide to peel back this sheet, they are going to discover. This is traditionally our cliffhanger role where we would end it. We would end episode three and start episode four with it, but we're just going to go right along. Um, so they peel back the, the curtain on door two and what am I rolling here? Oh, D20. 13 <laughs> deception revealed mercy all right i was kind of hoping for that one honestly so deception is revealed so they pull back the curtain and we see adkins very confidently strides in with the torch and all leaving the other two kind of questioning what the heck's going on. He he did that so comfortably that um they feel that he must he must know something. Something must be up. So they quickly follow before they lose the light. And they go through it's maybe ten feet of the stone hallway and it opens out into this great big chamber. And the chamber is populated by a bunch of other people that are all holding torches. And 
Adkins has strolled up in front of an altar and has turned back to Ralph and Cherry and is confidently smiling and waiting for these two people to to approach. Um, Ralph is he's kind of a dummy um, and he you know he's he's naive uh, he's young. Cherry has an idea of what's going on um, considering everyone is starting to chant now. As soon as they step through, more of these people kind of walk behind them and close off the way to get out. So they are pretty clearly trapped in here. They look to Adkins and wait. They wait for him to explain. And he waits for them to explain or to question rather. Um, He wants to do his, his great um, the great villain reveal of why would you do this? And and then he would spout his soliloquy. Um, but they don't. They don't. Ralph is just too terrified and Cherry is just too enraged. So finally, he, he loses his patience and says, I bet you're wondering why I brought you here. Ralph, um, I'm going to roll a d20 on 15 or above. He pees himself. <laughs> no, he doesn't pee himself. Um, he, but he's super nervous. And... Cherry just rolls their eyes and he waits a little bit longer. And he, again, he, re- he realizes no one's going to say anything. So he, he sighs exasperatedly and says, I've brought you here to sacrifice you to the greater good. I have spent my whole life hunting and destroying aberrations. They are chaotic. They are evil. They're terrible creatures. And with your sacrifice, with us sacrificing you, your blood will help us to completely destroy these creatures. So yes, you have to die, but it's, it's, it's for the good of, of the land. So you have that to uh, make you feel better about your death. And Cherry is just seething still. And finally, Ralph finds his voice and he says, but but we can just hunt them. Why don't we just hire people to hunt them? Adkins laughs and says, oh, we've been hunting them forever, but this is this is the next step. They'll just keep creating more. As long as there's one there, they'll create more. We need to take the, um, the drastic action. And it just so happens that young blood and old blood are needed in order to wipe these creatures out. So if you don't mind... Um, could you please step up to the altar and uh, lay yourselves down? And if you don't, we'll be forced to do it for you. Cherry takes a shuffle step forward and is about to speak. And Ralph runs by Cherry, screaming. And all of the cultists look on in just they're gobsmacked. They're shocked. They have no idea what the heck this crazy kid is doing. He's yelling in his like cracking voice and he tackles Adkins and they fall back onto the altar and the top of the altar shifts and something clicks. And let's do a roll for environment, Matt. Okay. That is a nine quicksand slash the floor gives way. All right. 
that that top of that altar slides back. There's a click. And all around that altar, floor tiles start to fall. And with them, the cultists who are too shocked to move. Matt, go ahead. This obviously uh, even playing field a little bit as uh, those cultists are, are no longer around. However, it's literally just the top, basically the top of a pillar with um, the three members of our party. While Adkins kind of collects himself, Cherry decides that they're going to uh, just kind of ready a spell. And you can, you can see Cherry just going through kind of that mental Rolodex of, okay, what can I use in this situation? How are we going to get out of here? You know, I'm not going to be the old blood in this sacrifice. Ralph is, he's almost as shocked as the cultist that fell at this point. Um, First of all, he thinks that he did all this. So (laughs) he thinks he is an incredibly powerful rogue of some kind of magical renown. He, he doesn't really get it just yet. He's such a doof. <laughs> he is. He's an incredible doof. Adkins just kind of composes himself. He gets up. He slides the uh, the top of the altar back to where it's supposed to be in its natural position. It doesn't change the environment of the room at all. The, the tiles are still gone. The floor is still falling away and the cultists are, are all who knows where in the center of the earth at this point, he looks with just fire in his eyes at, uh, at these two. And he just, he's seething. How can you be so selfish? This sacrifice, this noble sacrifice of yours would have saved the world. It would have saved everything. The, the altar was not supposed to be moved until the blood was upon it. Now, instead of sealing, sealing these monsters in the underworld, You've created an open gateway. And with that, they feel the ground shake. They feel not only is it a physical sense of unease with, with the shaking of the ground, but also just this sense of dread just washes over them as Edkin's words just sink into them. Are they the, the cause of the apocalypse? This is what is running through Cherry's head. You know, Cherry had this grand idea that uh, it would be everything will be put right that the book would would take care of everything and now it's it's just a matter of making things incredibly worse as the uh, the ground starts to shake even more they see hands come up the side of the pillar just out of this this inky blackness where all they see at first is just fingertips curling over the top of the pillar and then they see hands coming up and they are large hands, too. One hand equals the size of, of Adkins. Instead of the, the blackness just enveloping all of them, they see bursting forth in this bright flash of light is this large, four-armed creature with the head of a goat. And it launches itself onto the pillar. The pillar rocks back and forth a little bit as it's unsteady with this extra weight. But what the three party members know is that the only way they're going to survive this is to put whatever differences they had aside and actually work together. And with that, Nick, I think, uh, or Brando, it is your role for the battle. Okay. The battle. We have an 11, which is self-sacrifice. 
Well, with with that, they uh, they all realized that, that unless drastic measures are taken, no one is getting out of here alive. Ralph, thinking he has these these newfound powers, oh no, is ready to uh, to unleash himself upon this this horrible creature, and um, if he has to, he's he's willing to take one for the team. But uh, Brando, why don't you pick it up from there? What a sweet and noble doof. Moving on from there, the creature locks eyes with all of them because he has aped. Two to spare. They can tell that it has seen them, not them in specific, but their kind before and has not had a great experience with them because you can, you can see almost flames building up within the eyes of the creature. It knows what they are. It has had run-ins with their kind before, and it's it's ready to eradicate them swiftly. So it begins to build up its sort of a head of steam, almost as though it's going to charge right through them. But instead they can see as its mouth sort of opens ever so slightly light is is building and building and you just see these very small sort of shots of lightning come off of the white light coming from its mouth almost as though it's like that science orb that you place your hand on just a little just little bits of lightning sparking off so they can tell that something's building up and it's not just going to be brute force um they can tell that there's magic within this so Ralph, in his valorous dimwittedness... That's his Latin name, actually. Yeah, <laughs> jumps in front, and with just all of the teenage rage within him, he lets out a shriek, and it sort of takes the creature back just a, a little bit, because it wasn't expected from the puniest of the party. And the creature quickly gathers itself back, and it's now even more angry. As the light billows, and you see the throat of the creature bulging as though it were a bullfrog, something big is coming from this. Um, so Ralph takes two steps forward with whatever might that he has. And as the creature leans back to, as you can imagine, spit this entity out of it, um, Ralph sort of puffs out his chest. And as he takes one more step forward, Cherry grabs him by the arm and hands her crystal knob trinket to him. And throws him backwards and charges the beast. As the beast lets go of its orb, lightning orb, she begins to well up with some sort of magic that neither of them have ever seen. And she grabs this orb and continues to charge. Like a football. (laughs) Like a football. She intercepted. I suppose you could say that. So as she grabs this orb and charges the beast... She runs straight through its belly, 
knocking it and herself off of the pillar. And you, they can, the rest can just see the orb dwindling down into the darkness as it fizzles and fizzles and then explodes once it hits whatever floor, however far it may have been. Uh, and I think with that, we can go into the third role of, and the resolution with Nick. I just want to point out, I just, I imagined, you know, remember in the, the, the animated Robin Hood, the chicken, when the chicken gets like, I don't know if they're playing football, they're doing something, but she gets into this, like this linebacker run and just mm-hmm. like plows through all the rhinos. That's what I was imagining there. <laughs> yes. Okay. Re- resolution roll. Thank you for cheapening my sacrifice. Oh no, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. She sacrificed herself too. The, the chicken sacrificed herself too. Um, let's see. Oh, okay. That was a five. Selfish resolution. Uh, huh. Good Lord. Oh, wow. Everybody's been sacrificing and, and turning on them. How am I going to do this? Okay. Selfish resolution. Okay. Selfish resolution. <clears throat> so with um, with the door handle, the, the crystal doorknob in hand, um, Ralph is knocked into um, Adkins, who is just as stunned, and he falls back onto the altar. Ralph falls back with him and accidentally plunges that crystal doorknob into Adkins's chest. Where am I going with this? Adkins's blood is just leaking out of him. It's falling into the the runnels along the um the altar and then they they spread down and they they spread down the 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 plinth of the altar and out over the floor and it at this point it feels like there's way more blood than there needs to be that that any human body could have or should have but it's spreading out and where where there was a floor the the track was along the floor as well but it's just pouring down into the pit and as soon as that first drop drips down um the there is this otherworldly evil awful cringeworthy roar of a chorus of voices coming up from the pit and um ralph is is a little scared about what he just did um and very not long after that uh, Matt, like what you said, the hands coming up out of the dark, there are countless that are crawling up the, the, uh, up the pillar and onto the, the, the one bit of floor that's left. And he's, you can see all along the outside wall of that, that pit as well. There are creatures crawling up and they all come up to that floor level and just stop. And they're all looking at Ralph. And they stop, and there's this moment of, what is going on? And then they all, in one swift move, take a knee. Oh, wow. The biggest, grossest one that looks a lot, looks very similar to... To the chicken from Robin Hood. No. 
<laughs> no, I was going to say the, the goofy, the goofy luck dragon, um, Glazia, Glazia, the demon, um, that is in Ralph's bloodline. Yep. It's hovering there kind of in the middle of that open area. And it says, brother, my liege, you have freed us. Thank you. We will take over the world in your name and you shall rule it as the true demon prince. And everything that every bit of, of morality and alignment that Ralph had is out the window because it's either bummer rule the world as a demon prince or just get probably just ripped to shreds or spend eternity being tortured by these nasty creatures. So he, he looks back at the, the, the now corpse of Adkins plucks the, um, doorknob from his chest, puts it in a pocket and says, okay, let's get out of here. <laughs> yeah, theme. I imagined my mind immediately went to Ninja Turtles 2 when Toka and Razar looked at Shredder and said, Mama? When all the when all the creatures came close. up. That's close, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um Okay. That was a good little little chunk. Yep. I was ooh, I did not know where to go on that ending. That was interesting. It was an interesting take. Um, and he could, you know, although they were evil entities that he's going to be leading, he could, in a way, still somewhat maintain his goodness. His lawful goodness. See, I was thinking about that. I was thinking of trying to kind of fit that in. Yeah. And like just, just trying to, to qualify it, essentially. Um, yeah. But... In in leaving it where you left it, it's a cliffhanger, and you wonder where did he go with it. You know, that's that's kind of a cool little cliffhanger at the end, little bonus. Yeah, yeah, and I feel, I feel at least the the ones that 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 we've done so far have have proved that the ending and whatever speculation happens at the end um, always leaves you wanting more, always because it's so quick and we have to, to wrap it up in a button and not tie up. We're unable to tie up all those loose ends. It, it, it makes for a really good, like, Oh, what if this happened? Or what if this happened? Yeah. That's, that's the, the, the kind of the way that you have to tell the story with some open ends to, Oh yeah. Because you can't explain it all out. Right. It's a good, kind of start for your D D campaign why is why is the world gone just horribly wrong what what's gone on here and why is everything upside down basically and oh it's because of ralph Lindsay, this weird little tiefling that just stuff happened to to go this way and um you know something you can work into to various backstories yeah i that's like almost immediately what i thought is this is a great this is a great prequel. Yeah, it's right out of my mouth. Yeah. Yeah, and um is the the reveal of Ralph Lindsay is that like the end? Is that like the last thing that you figure out? Yeah. Is that it was this this little weenie um who who inadvertently set this all 
in motion? Well, Anakin Skywalker was a little bit of a weenie. Yeah, that's true. Oh, he was very much a weenie. So by the time we see Ralph Lindsay, he has a, a an awesome name and is super, super B.A. It's actually just Lindsay Ralph. Oh, oh, yeah. No one no one would suspect Lindsay Ralph. Um, but he has he has this like dark leather armor. Oh wait, what is it? Yeah, a rogue. So he has dark leather armor and these dark blades, and he's he's um super like terrifying. He's got an eye patch. He's a swashbuckler with an eye patch. Yeah, <laughs> it's the eye patch and a little. He's got a little um just a soul patch too. Well, yeah, both, both dark leather. He's patches all over. Both dark leather. It's a dark leather soul patch as well. Because <laughs> you can't grow it. <laughs> he can't. Grow. He can't grow facial hair, yeah. <laughs> he's 14. Because he is, let's see, he, yeah, he's, what is that? Young adult? Uh, adolescent, I thought. Adolescent. So, let's see, how, that's what, 12 to, no, we'll say 13 to 17? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay, so let's roll a D4 and add it to thir- to 12. He's 14. He's 14. We can grow a soul patch, but it's really patchy. Oh, it's, it's, you can barely see it. It's just wispy. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's seven blonde hairs that spike in all yeah. different directions. And in a strong breeze, if the leather soul patch like wafts up, you can just barely see it. But as soon as that happens, he kills everyone in the room. That's his like, he won't let that happen. No way. He just looks like an old Italian lady with facial hair. Oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And he and he likes cannolis, yeah, well, so it's it's really fitting. I, of course, who doesn't? Oh, I don't actually. I don't like cannolis. Yeah, I think I've, I think I've just never had a really good cannoli. The probably haven't. Cratery crust is just ugh. Um, <laughs> uh, was there anything that that you in that narrative, Matt? Is there anything that that you came upon that you were like, where is this going? What are we doing with this? Uh whether it was yours to narrate or one of the choices that we made. At the end, I was, I was thinking it was going to go one of two ways. Either it would turn out the way you did it, where um, I, one of the two, either Ralph or Adkins was going to die. And that would be the blood of the young to mix with the blood of the old with the sacrifice. And it was either going to um, do what, what ultimately happened where, um, it set these these creatures free completely and gave them a new master or it, it sealed them off. So yeah, that was kind of what I was wondering how you were going to wrap that up one way or the other for sure. Um, but then as you, as you progressed, um, I thought it was going to go the quote unquote good way where the, the monsters were completely banished, but you kind of threw me for a loop there at the end. Not the first time I've done that. No, not at all. I think it's every single time now. Yeah. Um, I, I, I toyed with the idea of it like closing off again, but you, you made it, you made it sound pretty definite that when the floor fell away, like it's open. Oh, there's yeah. no, there's no turning back on that. So like, yeah, they, I guess they could have been banished, but what's, how would it, how would it have been selfish? That's the thing. That's where I struggled the most. That is tough. Yeah. Yeah, and honestly, even even the one you came up with was it was selfish, but it was inadvertently selfish almost. It's as, it's about as selfish as Ralph could get in that respect. It was forced. Yeah, he's he's so naive that he he ended up 
And 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 just so like accident prone, he's yeah. I'm gonna go back to the the last episode and say he's the Mister Bean of this episode. Yeah, he fell into his his title. Yeah. Oh yeah, you know it was all inadvertent. Yeah, I mean literally. Yeah, and it it was the challenge of of putting him in a situation where he would only have one choice to be selfish. Yeah, you know, so like like I can't. If he said no to the demons, how could you explain that as being selfish? Yep. Other than like, well, I'm lawful good, so I want to stay that way. Which, eh, that doesn't. That's that. That's no flavor. Yeah. You know, that's a crappy. That's a crappy setup to um to your campaign. Is it was Ralph Lindsay's fault, but he didn't take the ultimate power. Yeah. So what the the goal then is to like get him resurrected or something. Yeah. Because he's the savior. I think it was left well in that because it was left so open and the way that you ended it again, he didn't necessarily go bad. He did what he had to do. Very true. And maybe being a, you know, an inexperienced prepubescent teenager, he thinks maybe, thinks that maybe he can turn it around. Maybe he can assume this position and still keep things good. But again, yeah. that the nice part is the story is left open. What happens after? I do really like the idea of what happens after this. It's, it's virtually, uh, it's virtually the exact same thing as the, the full run of the woes of the wood elves is at the end, what happens to Merle? Yep. And what happens to the world because mm-hmm. of that? You know, it could be completely tragic or Merle is 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 honored and, and put to rest. And that's it. You know, um, so it's it's. I, I like the idea of it being so open. I didn't realize until you pointed it out how open and kind of exciting it is to think about how many uh, more options are now created. Mm-hmm. There are a million possibilities. Yeah you threw that twist in at the end of him now leading an evil empire, you know, it was very Shyamalan of you. Um, yeah. Yeah. Early, early M night. Yeah. No, not so much now, but again, with the, the, the open ended, it's, it's, it's really cool to see. Cause then, then that is left up to each and every individual person to take it where they want to take it. If they're just taking it at face value and, and moving the story along in their own mind. Right. Yeah. And that's the beauty of the creativity of the game is you take it and you, you bring it to where you want to bring it. And the next person does the same. Yeah. It's a cool version of the, the game telephone. Really? The story changes with each person. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you're translating, you're translating a whole story, but there's only so much you can get through before someone else picks it up. Right. And my idea in the the navigation, when I started that first chunk of the story, I had no idea where we were going to be, even by the environment role, much less uh, the, the, the final boss puzzle role. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, there's no planning ahead. There's no, um, it's almost, it's like um, one of those, those games that you can only strategize so much because 
by the time you play a card, my strategy's gone. Exactly. Or like chess. Exactly. Even. You have to play. I mean, I'm terrible at chess. You you can have sort of a base of what you're going to go with on your mind, but it's all contingent on what the person before you says, and you have to mold it around that. You have to, or scrap it and, and start over on the fly. Yeah. And, and it plays to improv very well. It's, yes. it's I'll, I'll be honest. I was sitting here looking up different warlock spells to see if there was something we could use with cherry and all of a sudden, Cherry became Jerome Bettis and then took this guy off the cliff. So I don't like. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking up. I'm looking up the chicken's name. Hang on. I think he's looking up Jerome Bettis, actually. Yeah. <laughs> also that. I have two tabs up. But my thought process in that was, as Nick had said sort of in the beginning, she's older and she doesn't have a lot left. So she took whatever sort of magic she had left and, and harnessed and sacrificed and just, she was a stubborn old coot and just. Her name is Lady Cluck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. Wonderful. Fantastic. Um, oh, she had a short cameo in Mickey's Christmas Carol. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Thanks, Wikipedia. No, this is the uh, Disney Wikia fan oh, page, actually. Yeah. Trademark. Um, other names, Clucky by Maid Marian and The Fat One by Prince John. Oh, that's mean. Yeah, come on. Uh, yeah, she this this lady's had a pretty cool uh, career here. The the voice actor or the, the chicken herself? Both, yes. The answer is yes. All right. Anything to wrap up here? Any, uh, any thoughts and conclusions or anything like that? Mm-mm. No, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah, I think I think we covered it all for being a, a, a super quick side quest. No, speed run. It's got to be speed run, right? Because side quest implies the the uh, diff, the same party doing a different chunk. That's that's my thought. Yeah, and speed run is it's just a short one shot, basically, just boom. Yep. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's we do the same thing that we take a month for in in one episode so i think write in let us know i still like i think i think side quest sounds better personally just like just the word quest is really good um but let us know let us know if you have anything else uh or you'll probably just vote for for speed run um but also let us know how you would have explained some of those roles let us know what happens after Ralph Lindsay becomes Lindsay Ralph. Um, <laughs> how how you how you would explain what happens in that world, you know? Um, and uh, just just drop us a line, you know. Go to fecklessmoms.com, uh, jump in on the uh, on the on the contact us right on that homepage. Check out the other podcast that we have. Um, talk tall to me, and. Um, uh, go and rate us, rate us and subscribe. I don't know why people say that, like do the rating thing for sure. But you're the reason you're listening to this is because you are subscribed almost assuredly. And I'm not going to tell you what platform to go on. They always say the same platform. Yeah. It's most helpful if you review there and rate there, but you know, go to any platform you want. We're not just on the one that looks like someone bit a piece of fruit. We're on Google, we're on Spotify, 
we're on a couple of others that no one's ever heard of. So if you want to look for obsolete podcast platforms and then go find us there, that's fine too. That's totally cool. Um, come back in a week. We're going to start a new arc and some character creation. I think that's it, right, Matt? Yeah, that's it. We're going to start a whole brand new one next week. Brandon, any any final thoughts on this adventure? Um, since we're so torn between speedrun and side quest, given the character that keeps coming up, we should probably call it a chicken run. <sighs> Trademark. TM, sorry. I'm sorry, Mel Gibson. No, he deserves no apologies. <laughs> he turned his life around. He was in Daddy's Home too. That doesn't mean he turned his life around. He's still a hate-filled man. Okay, so this, I think that will be the title of this story, is Chicken Run. Chicken Run. All right. Um, yeah, and no Lindsay's one, Chicken Run. no one, no one's going to know what that is until the very end of That's the episode. absolutely fine. Yeah. It makes it all the better. Woes of the Wood Elves followed up by Chicken Run. I love it. Yeah. I, I hope, I hope every one of you who have listened to this listens looks at the name of the podcast, the name of the episode, like, what is, why? And then when Lady Cluck comes up, you're like, okay, here's a chicken finally <laughs> after 45 minutes or so. And then, and then at the end, Brandon, that button, one point on the, the old scoreboard because of Lady Cluck's field goal. Field goal? Oh, Nick. That's that. Subscribe. Five stars. Only five stars. Roll a D20 and give us that many stars. And if we get less than five, I'll deal with it because it's a D20. But if you get like 16, you need to do three five stars and then one one star. You have to, you have to use all of your stars. And, and that's it. Thanks. Have a good night. Rigged is a production of the Feckless Momes Audio Network.